greetings for, from the King of Kings and from the Lord of Lords, from the one who deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the worship. And I saw you, church, that you are a worshiping church. I just enjoyed it, and I just jumped with you in the spirit. And I'm so happy, so glad, so honored to be with you this morning. I also bring you greetings from my church, Bethesda Church in Detroit and Michigan. And from the senior pastor, I'm the assistant pastor. Senior pastor was here at your church, uh, Pastor Simi Timbuk. And he also is one of the professors here. And I just won by a raise of hands, how many of you are my students at Ecclesia? One, two, three, oh, about a dozen. God bless you. And last year I was here for the first time in this building, but I was not with the church because the church is not this building. It's not bricks and windows and floor. You are the church. Amen. You are God's people. You are the sons and the daughters of the Almighty God. Amen. You are the treasure mm -hmm. from which Christ left the, the heaven and came and became a human being like you and I. And he died on a cross. And he took upon the cross on his body, took his, your sins and my sins, your past and my past, and he nailed them unto the cross. And he died for us instead of us. And by his resurrection the third day, we are given the eternal life by trusting him, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is just a temporary abode for us, living and walking in Kenya, in Nairobi, in America, in Romania. This is just a temporary. It's 40 years of life for some. 50, 60, 80, or 100, doesn't matter, it's still a short time compared to eternity. But in this time that we are given to live on this earth, the most important decision that we have to take is what are we going to do about Jesus? What are we going to do about what he done on the cross for us? Are we going to believe? Are we going to trust Jesus with our life, with our present, and with our future, and with our destiny? Because that is the most important question that I have to answer on this earth. Do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do I trust him with my life, with my eternity? And it's very proper and important that I feel in my spirit, by the spirit of God, that I have come today to Deliverance Church here in Nairobi to bring a message because you are just about to start a new chapter in the history of this church. You are just about to enter into a new phase and you are just about to start something that will expound the mission of Deliverance Church. Take it from this small place to a place where thousands of people will come. And this is a prophetic word. It is a time that you, the church, are to be getting closer together. Get around Jesus. He is the head, we are the body. He is the general, 
He is the king of kings and the host and the, the head of the army of God. And we are his soldiers. And we are just about to start marching behind Jesus, step by step by step. And today the Lord has placed on my heart a message that will call you, Delivery Deliverance Church, to make a self-examination through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, for us to see what is called on you to become from this level that you are today to grow, to develop, to mature into a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is filled with the Word of God, that is filled, filled with, with a vision of the Spirit of God that has for this church. Please let respect the Word of God and stand on our feet as we are going to read two short passages from Acts chapter 2. And then we'll read another short chap, uh, passage from Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. When the day of the Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all, say with me, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Chapter 9. Verses 31 and following down. So the church, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord Amen. Father God, we are before you. We are your people. We are your church. And you, Jesus, you are the head of this church. And we are here before you. And we ask you, Lord, to bless this church this morning with your living word. Give us a word from near your heart. Give us a word of wisdom, of understanding. Help us, Father God, to understand what you are asking of us this morning. And help us to fulfill the plans and the visions and all the beautiful goals that you have for the Deliverance Church today, tomorrow, in the years to come, and until the second coming of Jesus Christ on the clouds. We pray, Father God, that you bless every family every child, every young person, every adult, and every elderly of this church. We ask you, Father God, to bless and prosper their body, their souls, and their spirit. 
I pray, Father God, as they are starting this project to bless their finances, to bless their businesses, but more than all this, bless their relationships. Make them one as you, Father, and you, Jesus, and Holy Spirit are one. Let them reflect your unity. Let them reflect your love. Let them reflect your presence in the city because they are a city on the hill. Let this church be a light in the darkness. Let this church and the leadership of this church to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to the Spirit of God, to be obedient to the Word of God, and let them be all that you want them to be and become. We ask all of these, Father God, in Jesus' beautiful, glorious, and most powerful name, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please be seated, church. Glory to Jesus. This, the title of my message this morning, a message for the Deliverance Church, is marks, four marks of a spirit-filled church. And I put a PowerPoint together just to help with the flow and to... For those who might want to also take notes. And I'm glad to see that some of you are taking notes. That always helps to remember messages that the Spirit of God has given you. My beloved, as uh, we know as Christians, and there are three major events that we Christians cherish and celebrate. The first event is the is Bethlehem, where God in Jesus Christ, he came and Emmanuel, God with us. God became man. God incarnated in Jesus Christ. That was happening at Bethlehem. The second event is Calvary. Where God with us became God for us. On the cross, we see how Jesus took upon himself and his body all of our sins. And God was in Christ making peace with humanity, with a human race, with all of us. On the cross was God dying in Christ Jesus for you and me. And then we have the third one is the Pentecost. Where God who came to be with us and then died for us. Now through his spirit, God came to live in us. Because when we are born again, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And yesterday I had the privilege together with your pastor, with Pastor Richard. And with one of your servants, with Brother Mark, we went into Kibera or Kibra. And we went there with some gifts to the children, to the youth. And I had the privilege to share the word of God with them. 
and six souls. Six young men, they, share, they, they professed their faith in Jesus. Glory to God. And I encouraged them, and the pastor encouraged them to join the church, to come, to be catechized, to be prepared, and to enter into the water baptism, into eternal covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Now, as a Pentecostal church, and I know you guys are Pentecostals. I know you guys fill with the Holy Spirit. We as Pentecostals, we believe that God has given us his Holy Spirit to indwell us and to empower us and to be filled with the proofs that God resides and lives with us. He lives in our individual lives. He lives in our families, but also he lives in our communities. And he is demonstrating his presence through joy, the joy of salvation. He is demonstrating through the gifts of the Spirit of God. I heard you guys speaking in tongues, some singing with tongues, some prophesying. We heard about healings be between the people of God, miracles. But unfortunately, many times, many times God is being limited, not because he is not the most powerful. God is almighty, all-powerful, he's got all the power and authority in the world, in heaven, and the whole universe. Can I say amen? amen. Okay. But unfortunately, he will not be present and manifested within a church that does not obey his voice. So we, by our faults and mistakes and sins and broken relationships, we can limit the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our midst. Hear me out. This is the Spirit of God speaking to you. The more we are transform, being transformed as a church, as a community of believers, into, way, into the way that God wants us to be, and he taught us in the scripture how to be and become, the more the presence of God is being manifested. The more the spirit of God will go forth and bring miracles, healings, and reparations of all our relationships, and then with that unity will be manifested outside of these walls because the church is not only here in this building, the church must go out of these buildings, out of these walls, out into the world and take this world back to Jesus. My brothers and sisters, I would like us to understand that When we look at what happened between the disciples of Jesus when Jesus was with them, we see that the disciples were not unified. They had between them arguments. They had between them all sorts of things that uh, they did not display the power and the love of God between, among them. 
And I would like us to understand that when those disciples, remember when Jesus told them in, for instance, in Luke chapter 9. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem and the Son of God will be put to death. What did they start talking about? Who's going to be the greatest among them? Are you kidding me? So there was a very childish position, understanding. They would not understand why Jesus had to die. Remember when Jesus said that he has to go to Jerusalem and to be put to death, what Peter told him? God forbid. Don't go. So he was you being used by Satan to kind of put an obstacle to God's plan for Jesus to die for us. What Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. And just, you know, a few verses up in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus told him, God spoke to and through you, Peter. It is the Spirit of God that revealed to you and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And a few verses later, Peter switched from spirit into the flesh. So this is the problem that we see that them, the disciples, were living either in a spirit, moved into the flesh. In the spirit, in the flesh. Can we, in the 21st century, as sons and daughters of the Almighty God, sometimes live in the spirit and sometimes move into the flesh? Yes. And it's unfortunate. And we need to understand that there are four traits that we see that are being developed after the day of the Pentecost. When the Spirit of God came in power over the small group of disciples, 120 of them, Acts chapter 2, as we read, the power of God came upon them. The Spirit of God indwelled that place and each and every one came upon them, the power of God. So there are four things that I would like us to look together this morning and I pray that Deliverance Church will embrace them all. Because we see the, and we need to learn from the, the primary church in Acts chapter 2 and to the rest of the book of Acts, how God used mightily that group of believers to spread the faith like a fire. And by the end of the life of Paul and Peter, all of the civilized world back then, in Asia, in Af North Africa, in Europe, the Christianity has spread in a short generation. So the first thing that we need to observe is that peace and unity start taking place in that group of people. What that means is that without having this fundamental foundation of a church, there cannot be a manifestation of the presence and the power of God. But when the disciples experienced the powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see that if up, up to that moment when they were just arguing who's going to be the first among the disciples after Jesus' death, now we see that Peter and John together, we see in chapter 3, let's read together in chapter 3 in Acts. Now Peter and John. We're going up to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 
and a man lame from birth was being cared. And we see how God healed that handicapped person. Because why? Because now Peter and John were like adversaries before. Now they were together. Say with me, together. So without this foundational characteristic of a church, peace and unity, it's like a coin. I, don't, I didn't see many coins here in Africa, but you know what the coin is. It's got two faces. It's like the two sides of the same coin, peace and unity. Peace bring unity. And when we have peace and unity, now the Holy Spirit can work in that local church. Remember in John chapter 17 and John chapter 13, Jesus prayed and he said, Father, please, as we are one, let them be one. Because the people from outside the church, they will see that my disciples are, they love one another and they will know that they are my followers. Without loving one another, without, uh, imagine if people come in this church and I say welcome to those who are the first time in this church. If you come in this church for the first time and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, and you see that in a local church, and let's not talk about this church, another church, and they go into a church that they see that the people are not loving one another. They're not united. They don't care for one another. Say, why would I come to this church? Because this is exactly like in, my, in the world that I'm in, in, part of it. Why would I come to a church that the members of the church, they don't love, they don't respect one another? It's the same like in the world. I don't have to come to this church. But Jesus said, when they will see how you love one another, they will understand that you are my followers. And I pray that the Deliverance Church will be a unified church. Unity between brothers and brothers. Unity between sisters and sisters. Between families. Between the leadership of the church. Because when there's no unity, hear me out church. When there's cracks in the unity of the church, the devil can penetrate. The devil can put his, you know, his a killer, a destroyer. He will bring this unity to destroy the church. Be aware. God wants you united. United around the head, which is Christ. United around the leadership, between, around the pastors. Embrace the vision. Go together. Say with me, together. Because when it's peace and unity... There's the first and most fundamental sign that that church is a spirit-filled church. Because the Spirit of God brings unity. The Spirit of God brings harmony and love and respect. Every other spirit that attempts to create disunity comes from Satan comes from hell 
comes from darkness. Reject. Don't talk behind each other's backs. Do not gossip about one another. If you don't like something about your brother or your sister, if you feel that he or she did something wrong to go to him, talk face to face. That's the God's way. Amen? Amen. May the Lord strengthen you. Then, we see how after the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts 2.1, they say they were all together. In 2.24, in Acts says all believers were how? Together. We see the idea of togetherness, unity, harmony is a key. So right there in the first few words after in the scripture after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, as I talked about the Spirit of God that brings unity, the Spirit of God brings also power. Power. Let's read again verse 2 from Acts 2. And suddenly, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind I'm not sure if you guys have experienced here very powerful winds but I know in the United States we have quite a few of hurricanes you know what's a hurricane right it's a very powerful movement of air 150 miles an hour nothing can withstand that force when we're talking about a mighty rushing wind as a description of the Holy Spirit is the description of the most powerful power in universe is the Holy Spirit the spiritus creator the one that created everything the agent of creation in the beginning was nothing but God through his word said let it be light and it was light let it be earth let it be is the power of creation is the power that brought jesus from the tomb from the dead the same power that resurrected jesus now came into our bodies into our spirit into our church the same power the same holy spirit that rested on jesus and rested on the first disciples, the same power is upon you, church. It is in you, church. It is in every one of us. By the spiritual birth, by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's not enough. Oh, gosh, thank you, Jesus, I speak with tongues. That's not enough. It's the first step. It's just a new beginning. I have to continue to, to search more of God. We just sang. We want more of you. Worship team, excellent job. But it's not only for us to sing, it's to live. To live out that presence, powerful presence of the Spirit of God in you and in me and in us as a community. Amen? 
What are some of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? The first one, it's healing power. Say with me, healing power. And the healing power of the presence of the Spirit of God touches everything. It, of course, touches the physical, the body. The Spirit of God heals our bodies. I'm one that stands before you as a witness of the healing power of the Spirit of God. I was healed by God. How many of you were healed by the Spirit of God? God bless you. Don't forget to testify. To bring glory to Jesus who healed us. And we see that we just read, read from Acts chapter 3 how John and Peter, they healed that handicapped person. But also we've read about Peter that he went and prayed for Aeneas in chapter 9. And he told him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we have the foundation of peace and unity, then we can pray as a church. The pastors can lay hands on the sick and the sick will rise up and will declare that they were healed in the name of Jesus Christ. But it also is emotional and relational healing. We talked about the fact that the disciples were just not friends. They were not buddies. They could not see and understand the same way. They wanted to see who's going to be the greatest among them after Jesus' death. There were some broken relationships between the disciples. There are some broken relationships when we come to Jesus between husband and wife, between parents and children. Between generations, between younger folks and the older folks, those are healed by the Spirit of God. It's not only the, the physical healing, it's also the relational, the emotional healing. Some of you have experienced some tragedies in your life. Some of you were abused. And I sense in my spirit that some people in this place were abused as children. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring healing to those emotions that are so raw and so wounded. I pray healing over you. They're also in spiritual. Do you know that some people before coming to Christ... They were in witchcraft, in voodoo, in all sorts of, of pagan religions. And we come to Jesus. I was an atheist. I became a Christian after my military service at age 21. That's when I became a son of God. But before that I was an atheist and I believed in everything else but God. But God healed me and also forgave me. If you still, and this is something that I need to, to bring this point. Some of us brought from our previous life before Christ. 
we brought some things into our, into our Christianity, we have to send them back into our past. Nail them onto the cross. Ask forgiveness and he will forgive us. That's the healing power. There are other manifestations of the Spirit of God by transformational powers. God's Spirit transforms every one of us in the likeness of Christ. When we are just coming to Christ, those young folks that came to Jesus yesterday, they are like babies right now. Spiritual babies. Now they need to be fed. They need to be trained. They need to be discipled. And all of us, we need to go through those stages from a spiritual baby to a child, school age, and then go to high school and they'll They'll go to college and become a, an adult and settle down and form a family. And in all of these stages, it's the Spirit of God that manifests in us. I want you to put on a, if, let's read actually. I don't know if you can switch back and forth from the PowerPoint. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. That's a powerful passage. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So it's that transformational power that takes me from a spiritual baby through all the stages, and I become an adult, spiritually speaking, and now the Lord can use me. God will not be able to use you mightily if you stay in the stage as a baby, spiritual baby. You know what? In a physical realm, in a physical age, to become an old person, an old man, you just have to keep waking up every morning. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to become a, a wise individual. Just wake up every morning and by age, I don't want to say 60, God forbid, said 80. <laughs> by age 80, you know, you, you're becoming an old person. But you know what? You might not be wise at all, even if at age 80. You might be all of your life in church and still spiritually be a baby what the spirit of God is for us to get transformed from glory to glory into the likeness of who of Jesus Christ the Lord because that is what God wants from all of his sons and all of his daughters to become like Jesus and this is only through the power of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God. Also, I want you to understand that we cannot grow spiritually without eating the Word of God every day. Hear me out, church. You cannot grow spiritually without eating this bread of life every day. America is one of the 
overly fed nation. Overly fed. Three meals a day and then some snacks in between. America is one of the fattest population in the world. Now, if I don't eat, if I don't eat, maybe for 10 days, I'm dead. And maybe most of us would be by two weeks kaput. After three days, how many of you have done the Esther's fast? Three days, no food, no drink. Anyone did it? You know, it's difficult. I did it a couple times. But by the third day, because you dehydrate, you, you start, you know, losing it. What I'm trying to say, imagine your soul. If your body doesn't eat, you feel already dizzy. You are more prone to fall, to break your legs or whatever because you are dizzy. When you don't eat the bread of life, your inner person, your soul dies of hunger. We need to feed on Jesus. We need to feed on the word of God. But also, it's not only the word of God. I need to learn how to commune with God through prayer. Prayer is the most powerful weapon which combined with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. They are indestructible, most powerful weapons that we Christians have gotten from Christ Jesus. You might think, oh, I don't have the gift of prayer. No, there's not such a thing. All of us are called to prayer. Yes, some are prayers, warriors, but all of us are called to prayer. When we are putting our knees down and said, Father, the heaven hears, hell and Satan trembles. He will do everything in his power that you would not be able to pray. You're too busy to pray. Because there is power in prayer. There's power in the word of God. But when God's children pray and we prayed for this new phase in the life of deliverance church. The hell shakes. Satan trembles. Because the children of God are praying. Because when you church say Abba. Father Yahweh, the heavens open and the power of God descends upon you, church. And there is purity. The, the third characteristic is purity. We see that when the spirit came, it was like a mighty wind. But what was the next? A flame of fire settled on each of those who prayed. Now, fire brings the idea of purity because even gold is purified by fire. Silver is purified by fire. Remember? Even our works will be tested by fire. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 
Fire means purification. God wants his church to be a sanctified and pure church. Amen? Don't you believe Satan's lies? Oh, it's only Pastor Kimani needs to be sanctified and pure. Only the elders, only the deacons, only the prayers, only those who worship the Lord. No, every one of us need to be sanctified. Our lives need to mirror the life of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to happen overnight. But when I desire that and I just draw near to God and closer to God, He sanctifies you. He sanctifies me. The church, we see in Acts chapter 5, there was a person. We see first it was Ananias and Sapphira that were eliminated from the church. In 2 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see that there was an adulterer in the church. The church had to deal with that person. Because where there's sin, where there's adultery, where there's lying and gossiping and backstabbing and deceiving in the church, the Spirit of God cannot manifest His power. So Jesus wants his church to be holy and sanctified. Be holy as your father in heaven is holy. Amen. Also, there's a passion that we need to embrace. The passion works in two directions. The first passion is and let's, let's read together what in the Webster Dictionary of English Language passion means. is a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or someone. How many of you guys went to a, a soccer game? Some of you don't know. Watch, you watch the game sometimes on, a, on TV? I know Kenyans are big on, on soccer because I, I grew up in Romania. I know. I used to play soccer. So you see, or, or people in all kinds of sports. What is the biggest sport here in Kenya? Soccer, right? You see those people, oh, they just yelling for their team, right? That's passion for a team, for nothing. And I love your passion when you worship Jesus. I love when you say, hallelujah. When your heart just beats stronger for Jesus, for the Lord, for the lover of your soul. I, I love when I look at you, church, and you are all on fire for Jesus. And you are just dispensing your love. And you're just proclaiming your love for Jesus. That's passion. And our first passion must be Jesus. Hear me out, church. If you do not place Jesus on the first place, the first priority in your life, don't look for second place because Jesus will never settle for seconds. Jesus wants to be the first in your life, the first in your family, the first in the local church. Your passion for him has to be second to none. Even the wife or the husband or the children, the love for Christ must transcend all that.
Amen? And that is a passion for Christ. In Romans 5, 5, we are told that God's love was poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The more we are filled with the Spirit of God, the more we love God. The more we love Jesus, the more our passion is inflamed and expounded and amplified for Jesus. But also, there is a passion for the lost. I know time is running out and we need to go to the field, to the future location of the church. But is one thing, and this is the most important thing for this church to expand into a big building. But without having this passion for the lost, don't even build that church. If you don't have a passion for those who are in the world and they are going to hell without being drawn back into the kingdom of God, don't ever think about expanding your building. There's no need for that. But if you have that passion for Christ on a vertical and then you take that love of Christ and you expand it the, over all your neighbors, your co-workers, the people that are still in school, your schoolmates, even on your enemies, bring that passion to them. Because this is why we are still on this earth. Wouldn't be true if we are not called to, to share Jesus with all of our friends and neighbors, the moment, like those young people yesterday in Kibera, when they said, I believe in Jesus, I believe that Christ died for my sins, boom, take out in heaven. That would be nice, we think, but that, that's not God's plan. God's plan is to use you and us all as his mouth, as his feet, as his hands to take the gospel to the lost ones outside this building in the marketplace at our work site and our jobs and our schools in our neighborhoods because all of this right now still under darkness and we need to break it down by the power of the cross by the power of the resurrection by the power of the gospel you the church Take the gospel to the lost and the Holy Spirit will be with you. You just speak the gospel and the Spirit of God does the rest. It's not upon us to, bring sal to, to save, just to bring the good news of, salva of salvation. And this is something that I must to tell you. A true Christian must be what? A Christianizer. I cannot say that my identity is a Christian if I don't take the Christian message to my neighbors. Hallelujah, I'm saved, but I don't care if you go to hell. What kind of message is that? Hallelujah, God changed my direction. God's blessing me, but I don't care that you don't know about Jesus. That's not what a Christian is all about. And I'm praying that all of these four characteristics will continue to be developed and strengthen this local church, the Deliverance Church, to be filled with peace and unity. 
to be filled with the power of transformation and healing, to be a pure church that will glorify and honor Christ wherever you guys go, and also to be a missionary church that has a passion for Christ and a passion for the lost, that you would be the mouth, the voice, the fans, and the feet of Jesus going to the neighborhood and speak about Jesus' love and Jesus' compassion for the lost world. I pray that the Deliverance Church, let's stand up before the Lord. I pray. Father God, I pray in Jesus' beautiful and glorious name that you would bless the Deliverance Church to become truly a church of deliverance for many people. I pray that many souls will come in this church and will be redeemed and delivered from all sins, from all of their past. I pray that the Holy Spirit will be always infilling and infusing and empowering this church and the preachers in this church and the leaders and the pastor of this church and every member of this church will with power, with love, with unity, with purity, I pray your blessings over this church. I pray that you will bless them to become a blessing to thousands and tens of thousands. I pray that the Spirit of God will always be ahead of them, leading them, and they will be in obedience, walking behind you, Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I pray that you would expand their territory. I pray for, a, for them to be a prosperous church in spirit, in soul and in body. I pray that every time they will pray for their sick, that they, you will heal them. I pray for the families of this church. I pray for the relationships of the husbands and wives. I pray for the relationships between generation, between parents and children. I pray that you would bless them and heal them and let this church to be a city on the hill. Let their light shine into the darkness, Father God. And I pray that the message of the gospel will go forth from this church. I pray, Lord, hallelujah, that when this church is praying, the hell is trembling. I pray when this church is praising you, Satan will run away. I pray that many thousands will come and find you, Jesus, as their personal Savior in this church by the message of the gospel proclaimed by this church. I pray, Lord, that your gospel will be pure and undefiled when these preachers of this church will proclaim it. I pray for a fresh anointing. I, pr I pray, Father God, for a fresh power, for a fresh wind, for a fresh level of purity in this church. And I pray that you would lead this church in all of your purposes. And all God people say, Amen, amen and Amen.